This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Plenty happening on the Israeli front, both on the ground and political-wise. Joining us on the line now, our correspondent from Israel, Anthony Reich. Anthony, good morning. Thank you for joining us. Boker Tov, Boker Tov. Uh, An astonishing story to start with a a recent event concerning 12-year-old Suleiman Hassan. Suleiman um, is um, a young boy who was riding his bicycle near to his home when he was hit by a car on his bicycle and quite badly injured. In fact, um, his injuries um, are described as being a near decapitation. Apparently, doctors found that two of his cervical vertebrae had been broken and that his head was almost completely detached from the base of his neck, even though his head clearly was still on his shoulders. But internally, the damage that had been done almost separated his neck, uh, the base of his neck from his head. Um, he was airlifted to Hadassah Hospital in Jerusalem, and surgeons managed to perform an amazing, Israeli surgeons managed to perform an, Israel, uh, an amazing operation to essentially reconnect his head to the base of his neck, and he has now returned home. He has no neurological deficits, sensory or motor dysfunctions. He walks around unaided. Um, He does have the cervical splint, we are told, and he remains under close observation. But um, this is just an amazing piece of surgery um, by Israeli surgeons on a, a, a young Palestinian boy. Um, so um, a really, really fantastic story um, and one showing good cooperation between the two sides, something that you don't always hear about in the public area. Indeed, Anthony, a nice way to start off the day. I was wondering where the story was going. But, yeah, a good, a good feel-good story uh, demonstrating Israeli technolo- technological and medical advances and how, uh, you know, like uh, cooperating with nations and putting aside differences and politics, uh, which we are going to focus on. Right now, let's start with President uh, Isaac Herzog uh, yesterday addressing a joint session of the U.S. Congress to mark 75 years of relations between the United States and Israel. Your take on that? Well, um, I think it was a confident display by the Israeli president um, in front of the joint uh, sitting of, of Congress yesterday. He received no fewer than 29 standing ovations. Wow during the course of his speech, um, which I think is um, a little expected in some respects, because when you see people going to present to Congress, generally what's presented um, is a friendly kind of inclusive speech, which, of course, President Isaac Herzog um, um, definitely played to that particular gallery. Mm -hmm. But I think that some of the things that he said were very, very important for us just to mull over for a moment. And um, the first thing he spoke about was 
um, the ongoing criticism of Israel. And he said that while he's not oblivious to criticism, particularly amongst friends, and he said that he respects criticism, um, even though we don't necessarily always have to accept it. But then he went on to say that criticism of Israel must not cross the line into negation of the state of Israel's right to exist or questioning the Jewish people's right to self-determination. He described that as being not legitimate diplomacy and, in fact, went on to describe it as anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to come out condemning anti-Semitism and to try to draw the distinction between what he would consider to be legitimate criticism, constructive criticism, perhaps, as some people might want to call it, as opposed to crossing the line to deny Israel's right to exist. So he, he wanted to make that point, and it was noticeable that there were at least five members of Congress who decided to boycott Herzog's speech, including uh, Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar and Jamal Bauman and, and Corey Bush and El- Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, some of the, the usual characters, the names that we, we usually hear described, those are the ones who decided to uh, boycott um, President Herzog's speech to the Congress yesterday. He also decided to tackle head-on the issue of the judicial reform debate and how heated and painful it is. Um, but he went on to say that democracy is in Israel's DNA. And he, he feels confident that in Israeli democracy and in the fact that our democracy and is strong and resilient. So he was trying to present a relatively um, positive front to what is a relatively painful exercise that the Israeli public is going through right now in terms of confronting this um, issue of democracy and where democracy begins and ends and whether the uh, judicial reform process is anti-democratic or whether it could still be considered to be part of a proper democratic process. So he he definitely um, uh, confronted that one head on and he went on to say that his presidency is very much devoted to coming to some sort of a consensus-based approach, um, uh, 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 some sort of a compromise solution on this particular issue. He also spoke a lot about the U.S.-Israel relationship, a two-way alliance, and the fact that um, Israel is very much dependent upon the United States, but also that the United States can really rely upon Israel. And I think the words that he used were very, very cautiously chosen um, in order to reflect the duality of that relationship. Interestingly, he talked about missing Israelis in Gaza, the two IDF officers whose bodies are still held in Gaza, Oron Shaul and Hadar Goldin, um, and also Israeli civilians Hisham al-Said and Avero Mengistu, who are both also being held in uh, uh, Gaza at the moment, essentially as hostages by Hamas. It was interesting that the president invited Hadar Goldin's mother, Leah Goldin, to accompany him to Washington and to be present at his presentation to uh, the, the joint uh, sitting of Congress. So um, those are really the main headlines mm-hmm. from um, the speech yesterday by the president, which I think was very much 
positively received and, and appreciated. No, indeed, Antje, I think what, you, what you've underlined there is that uh, Herzog has just made it clear as to where the Jewish people stand regarding how, they, as you mentioned, uh, re, uh, recognize democracy, uh, how they relate as the land of Israel to the United States, and what the United States should be mindful when dealing uh, with the people of Israel and the Jewish community. That seemingly came across very clear in Herzog's address yesterday to, in, in, to the joint session of the United States Congress. Let's move Move on now to um, well, something I must say that I, I really admire and I'm passionate about uh, Abraham Accord, the Abraham Accord subject, and uh, looking at Prime Minister Netanyahu, who has received a, now a personal invitation to visit Morocco from King Mohammed VI. How significant is the timing of this invitation? Well, I think the timing is significant, and when we look at the Abraham Accords, you know, just let's start mm. with the fact that. President Herzog yesterday, after his address to Congress, also had a meeting with the House Committee dealing with the Abraham Accords. So even while he's in the United States, he's very much um, on to promoting the idea of the Abraham Accords. This has been um, something of a game changer in Israeli diplomacy mm. and relationship with the Arab world. Right. And I think it would be fair to say that those countries in the Arab world who have forged relations with Israel under the Abraham Accords have definitely um, benefited from those relations even over the relatively short period of time that the Abraham Accords have been in place. Morocco is one of the later joiners to the Abraham Accords, and it's one of those countries where the uptake of the diplomacy has been a little slower. So, for okay. example, there is still no full diplomatic mission established by Morocco and Israel or by Israel in Morocco. There isn't still um, the embassy that one would expect under the circumstances. It's been a little bit slower. There are certainly intentions to establish it. But as of now, it's been a little slow in picking things up. And then all of a sudden, yesterday, we understand that King Mohammed VI of Morocco has extended a personal invitation to the prime minister to meet with him in Rabat. Um, and uh, apparently that visit is due to happen quite soon. Now, the question is, why now? What suddenly happened mm -hmm. which has precipitated this uh, invitation from King Mohammed? And the simple answer is that Israel has formally recognized Moroccan sovereignty over Western Sahara which is a highly controversial issue. We know that the United States also recognizes Moroccan sovereignty over Western Sahara, but against that is the Polisario Front, which is demanding an independent state in Western Sahara. It's being backed by Algeria um, in its claim to an independent state in Western Sahara, and, of course, Morocco also claiming Western Sahara as part of its um, uh, sovereign land. And with the uh, prime minister formally and publicly giving backing to Morocco's claims to Western Sahara on behalf of the State of Israel and the State of Israel effectively stating publicly and in writing that it recognizes Morocco's claims to Western Sahara. That was really the ignition point that the king appreciated that so much and it made such a huge difference to the king's diplomatic position on the, in the international arena that the king responded with an invitation to the prime minister to visit Rabat as soon as possible. Apparently only 28 countries have consulates now in Western Sahara. So it's a highly controversial issue. Um, but um, one wonders to what extent the prime minister had already worked out mm -hmm. that if Israel recognizes Morocco's 
uh, right to Western Sahara, the invitation from the king would be part of the deal. That might have been something in the background that had been pre-planned. Um, and uh, we do know that the prime minister is looking to make some international trips and to try and establish himself on the international front. So this is clearly going to be um, a big trip that we expect will take place probably within the next two to three months. Well, indeed, looking forward to seeing how the, what transpires from that trip, uh, Anthony. As you say, what you've uh, what you what I gather from what you've said, uh, certainly it's a trip to accelerate relationships and cement understanding between the two nations. And let's see how far that goes in terms of uh, relationships with Morocco and, as you put it, the Western Sahara. Moving on to, well, rather, let's uh, conclude. We don't have much time. On a pretty feel-good note, Israel and the United States have signed a pilot agreement to which will progress the implementation of the visa waiver program. What exactly is this pilot all about? Well, the visa, the visa waiver program is something that's been up for discussion already between the United States and Israel for some time. The U.S. has a visa waiver program that it has entered into with a number of different countries around the world. And essentially what it means is that citizens of that country are able to visit the United States mm-hmm. without the need to apply for a visa. Now, for those okay. people who have recently had to apply for a visa to the United States, we'll understand it's not such a simple exercise. Mm-hmm. It's not only about the actual um, bureaucracy, the, the bureaucratic process of having to go to the United States Embassy for a meeting, for an interview, what they call, and then waiting until they evaluate your case, which, which might take a number of weeks, and then finally bringing your passport and receiving your passport back, all of that takes time. But the main issue um, in recent times is how long it might take you in order to get an appointment set up for them to actually be able to interview you. And okay. right now, the queuing time is about a year in order to get an appointment with the United States Embassy. So if we want to travel to the United States within a very relatively short period of time, there is little possible way of being able to do that due to this lengthy queue in order just to get a visa uh, appointment uh, for an interview. And so the visa waiver program will obviously make a huge difference Mm. to Israelis in the event that we're able to do that. The sticking point has been the fact that the United States demands reciprocity for United States citizens of all shapes and sizes and without any exceptions. Mm -hmm. And the real sticking point has been those Palestinians who also have U.S. citizenship and the fact that the U.S. will demand, has demanded and is demanding that those Palestinians who have U.S. citizenship be allowed to travel to and from Ben Gurion Airport, whether they be traveling to Gaza or whether they be traveling to the Palestinian Authority area, wherever it is, and they have demanded that Israel allow that, something which has not been the case up until now. But finally, an agreement has been signed. Mm-hmm. A pilot program will be implemented over the next six weeks to try out allowing the passage of those dual citizens. And then hopefully by the end of September, that's the date that's been mentioned, mm-hmm. we may well have the visa waiver program in place, which means Israelis will be able to travel to the U.S. 
without okay. the need for a visa. Anthony, we're going to have to leave it there. Thanks so much for joining us today, just to give us some background as to what's happening politically and uh, any, any other interest, uh, projects of interest. For example, this pilot that's uh, being implemented about the visa waiver program. Let's see how that transpires in the next uh, two months. Anthony Reich, our correspondent from Israel, bringing us the latest on what's happening in the Holy Land. That Israel report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebluagency.com.